Uh, the Washington Post every year has a contest, and they, they, what they do is they take words, and, and the, the readers can change one letter of the word and send it in with a new definition, and they have winners. I thought I'd share some of the past winners with you, some of the ones I like. Uh, the first one I want to share with you is, is, is the word intoxication. Intoxication. That, and the definition is euphoria upon receiving a tax refund. <laughs> Intax, in, intoxicated. How many want to get intoxicated Amen. Uh, I like this one. It reminds me of people that I know. Reincarnation. Reincarnation. That means that you'd come back in your next life as a redneck hillbilly. Okay. So you'd probably have Christmas at Todd's house. Okay. Um, this next one. This next one describes me fairly well. It's uh, inoculate. Inoculate. And it's when you're running late, so you got to take your coffee intravenously. Okay. Um, Another one, Carmageddon. Carmageddon. That's when everybody is sending off bad vibes and the whole earth explodes. But Carmageddon. Carmageddon. You, you know, isn't it crazy this time of the year, this season that we're in, this holiday season? But when you look around, in, in a way, it kind of resembles Carmageddon. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the economy or people's having struggled with their careers, or relationships, or politics. But, man, this can be a tough time. A lot of people struggle with all kinds of issues in this season. There's a spiritual warfare that takes place right around this time of year. It increases. We're supposed to be people of unadulterated joy. We're supposed to have the joy of the Lord as our strength. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? That the joy of the Lord is our strength. And maybe if the enemy is capable to rip from your grip the joy of the Lord, then he could leave you without the strength that you need to demonstrate the goodness of God on a daily basis. And you're trying to demonstrate Satan's defeat, but you're so irritated about your parking spot that you lose your joy. Well, maybe that's living the wrong life. Look at your neighbor and say, maybe. You know, we're supposed to be having joy unspeakable, full of glory. And the Bible's dominant theme regarding Christmas is joy and peace. And today I want to talk about joy. You know, think about the carols that we sing, joy to the world. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. It's a season of joy. It's a new life season. I'm not talking about the time between your turkey and your prime rib. I'm talking about the season of life that we've entered into because of Christ, the Savior that's been introduced to our life. We are to be saturated with joy. You think about it, Elizabeth hears about the pregnancy of her niece Mary, and the baby in her womb, John the Baptist, the Bible says he leapt for joy. When the star led the Magi to Bethlehem, they were overwhelmed with joy. In Luke 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Joy in Christmas 
from the beginning of time have been intertwined together. Yet, when we talk about Christmas, I really don't think that joy is the dominant word that comes to most people's mind. When you look at our society, in our marketplace, even in our own domestic realm, in our personal realm, you've got to ask yourself, is joy up on top? In this season, what has my attention? Is it the joy of the Lord, or am I stressed out? Full parking lots irritate me, or do I have too many Christmas parties to go to, or too much year-end obligation? And then comes the decorations and who's getting them out and who's putting them up and when are they getting started? Who's going to put that junk away? You know, all of the pressure and it's so easy to get distracted and to miss this insane opportunity we have to celebrate and experience the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you that God wants you to be filled with joy. Some of you look depressed over that. God wants you to be filled with joy. Amen? Abundant joy. Check this out. Look at Philippians 4. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Always. Always. Everybody say always. That's the word that messes this verse up. Isn't it? You know, if it just said be full of joy, well, then we'd say, okay, but, you know, if I'm going through something. But it says always. This is crazy strong. Always in the midst of challenging circumstances. Yes, be full of joy. You know, the shepherds had just as much to dampen their spirit as you do. Look at Luke 2.8. That, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. That night. These guys are working the night shift. Everybody else is at a Christmas party. They're out in the middle of the field working at night. They got the, they got the graveyard shift. And, they're, and, and shepherds, I've got to tell you something. You, check it out. They're, they're staying in a field guarding a flock of sheep. Have you ever been around sheep? You know, my, my mom sold real estate when I was in high school and, and uh, uh well, even before that, but in high school, she had a partner, and he had a sheep ranch, and so I got to go work on the ranch with the sheep. And can I just tell you a little something, something about sheep? They're horrible. They're nasty little creatures. And, uh, you know, sheep are, are crazy. They, they get, you know, they're, they're, the wool will go down over their eyes. The oil and the wool will get in their eyes, and, and they'll, they'll go blind. And they can't, you know, they don't have really great vision. And, and uh, they'll walk down into a little gully. It's not, even, it's not even a ditch. It's just be a little gully. And when they look around and they can't see any way out, they'll lay down and eventually die. So somebody's got to go out and find the sheep that are sitting in a gully and pick them up and drag them out of that thing. And then they'll go bobbling off someplace. They'll, they'll stand around the food trough and not ever leave and tear the ground up, and the moisture in the air will begin to puddle in the ground, and they hang out there so long they get what's called foot rot. And if you don't deal with that, they'll die. Matter of fact, almost anything can kill a sheep. And then, you know, just kind of a side note, all through the Bible, we're referred to as sheep. Go figure. 
think about this. These guys, I don't think that their job, they're at the, they're at the bottom rung of society. They got a boring job, a smelly job. Even during the fair, ain't nobody rushing over to see the sheep. You don't even go see the horses or the bulls or even a 900-pound pig, but leave the sheep alone. Nothing exciting about their life. They got the same old life going on. The same old life. Look at your neighbor and say, the same old life. Think about it. It's just like us, isn't it? You get woke up every morning by the same old alarm. You get up out of the same old bed. You walk into the same old bathroom. You get in the same old shower. You use the same old shampoo. You use the same old conditioner. You get out of the same old shower and you use the same old towel. You walk out and you put on the same old underwear. Be careful. Some, look at some of the guys who go, mm-hmm. Put on the same old pants, the same old shirt, and you brush your same old teeth with the same old toothbrush. Put on the same old shoes. You go down the same old hall. You find the same old wife and you give her the same old kiss. She hands you a cup of the same old coffee. You go out and get in the same old car. You drive out the same old driveway and take the same old route to go to the same old job. You get to the same old job. You go in. There's the same old people. And they tell them the same old jokes. And you give the same old courtesy laugh. Ha, ha, ha. And then you have same old lunch. And then you go back to the same old job. And you work the same old hours. And at the end of the day, you punch the same old clock. You go out, you get in the same old car, and you take the same old route to the same old house. You walk into the same old house, you sit down in the same old lazy boy chair, you get the same old remote, and you pass out to the same old news. And then your same old wife wakes you up, you eat the same old dinner, and then you get back in the same old lazy boy and watch the same old game. And when the same old game's over, you get up and you go to the same old bed, and you kiss your same old wife, and you ask the same old wife the same old question. And she gives you the same old answer. And you put your head on the same old pillow. And you dream the same old dream. And then you get up and do the same old thing again. And then one day, you die. Always. It's hard to always be joyful. Who wrote this verse and what had he been smoking? Surely he didn't mean always. And probably the guy that wrote that verse doesn't understand the stuff I have to deal with. He probably had an easy life. And whatever prayer he prayed was instantly answered. He probably running around with Jesus. Listen to the four years previous to this verse in the man's life that wrote the verse. He had been attacked by an out-of-control, vicious mob, and they almost killed him. He had been misidentified by Roman soldiers as an Egyptian terrorist. He had been falsely arrested. He survived a foiled assassination plot. He was then escorted by 470 soldiers to Caesarea by the sea where witnesses lied about him and he was imprisoned there for two years. So as a Roman citizen, he appealed to trial with Caesar and set sail for Rome 
But in route across the Mediterranean, the ship encountered a terrific storm, and they ended up in a terrifying shipwreck. They landed on the island of Malta, where he was bit by a poisonous snake. After three months of waiting in the dead of winter, he was voted off the island, taken to Rome, and put under house arrest, changed to prison guards 24-7. He was virtually forgotten there for another two years. His future's up in the air. If they find him guilty, it's going to cost him his life. And the disciple Paul, who wrote this verse, made a decision, I should jot some stuff down that might help others in the event I don't make it out of here. It was here that he penned the words, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. He believed that joy was attainable to all of us. He had experienced what the shepherds had talked about, and that is that Jesus Christ came as the great joy giver to all people. Look at it again, Luke 2, 8, the New Living. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Everybody say all people. Look at verse 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Say that with me. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. One more time. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. This child was born to bring great joy to all people. You know, if you think about joy, what has the power to rip from your grip the joy of the Lord? What really is there that's strong enough to take away your joy? And if you, if you spend some time and really consider it, I think that there's three things that really terrify people that cause them to let go of their joy. It's their past, their present, and their future. Everybody has a past. A lot of people fear their future. And all of us struggle with challenges in our present. We all have a past, but we all have a Savior. We have salvation from sin, death, hopelessness. So to deal with our past, God sent a Savior. I think right about now, y'all be waving a white hanky. You know, many of us fear the future, even, you know, death and what's coming after that. But he sent us a Messiah. The word Messiah is an anointed one or a deliverer. We have somebody who's anointed to take care of our future. He's got our future covered. God's plan is to give us hope and a future. And we struggle with challenges in our present, but that's why he gave us a Lord. Someone to guide us and direct us. And he is our great joy giver. Regardless of our past, regardless of our mistakes, it doesn't make any difference. Well, I've sinned. Well, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, but he is our Savior. Our future has been given provision. He is our Messiah, even beyond the grave. And our lives are equipped for the present because he is our Lord. 
You haven't come to know the Father until you realize and understand that He is the most joyous, happiest being in all the universe. The happiest being in the universe is not Kathy Lee Gifford, but it's God. The happiest place in the universe is not a piece of real estate in Orlando. The happiest place in the universe is where God is at. Where God is, is the most happy place because God is there. And he's the most happy, joyous being in the universe. This is really odd for a lot of people because when they think of God, when they think of church, they don't think of joy. You've got to sit real still. Don't move. Don't make too much noise. Then somebody comes out, and whether they're a priest or a pastor, and, and quite often they talk real slow. And the deeper you talk, the more hallowed you are. And we suck the joy out of our church experience. And a lot of people just struggle. They, you know, I, th- I think it's really difficult in, in, in this room sometimes because, you know, you, you just, you're so serious. And I say all kinds of crazy stuff. And you don't realize, I'm kidding. You're going out thinking, ooh, he's going to kill Todd. No, Todd and I got our private joke going. We're having fun. You know, the joy of the Lord ought to be happening in this place. Come on, just get real for just a minute. If we ain't got any joy, I don't know that we got any God. I'm not sure what it is that we've been in pursuit of that, that has gotten us so far off track that, that we're uptight in the presence of God. We're under the impression that at any minute God's going to strike us dead. Well, wait a minute. He's the giver of life. He's not the great party pooper in the sky. He's not looking for the opportunity to wipe you out. If he was, you'd be a greasy spot in the carpet. But he's the giver of life. Joy unspeakable. Full of glory. Come on, somebody. Look at somebody. Tell them, tis the season to be jolly. Now say, fa-la-la-la-la. Come on, tell them. (laughs) Jesus is the great joy machine. Amen. I said he's the joy machine. Well, God understands your situation. I mean, God, God gets it, right? He's not uptight. He's not freaked out because little kids sitting in church bored to death. He understands. He, he understands the dude that won't come in. It just drops off his wife and goes and drinks coffee. So he understands him. He even understands our shallow prayers. Come on, you know some of your prayers are so shallow. God, if you can't make me skinny, at least make my friends look fat. You know, you, you pray some crazy stuff. You know, and God, he, he's not uptight. It doesn't mess him up. It doesn't throw him off course. This is why Jesus came to be a joy giver. But look at what I'm going through. Joy is not the absence of problems, but it is the presence of God. I think Paul knew that joy was not the removal of pain or suffering. Or difficulty, but it was the awareness of the reality that God is there even in the midst of all of that. This is why Jesus came. So, people who are haunted by their past, fearful about their future, paralyzed in their presence, 
could be intoxicated with joy and experience the great joy giver. God wants your life to be filled with joy. You know, you, you need to go in today or tomorrow, read John chapter 15 is, 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 and really think about it because it's kind of crazy because Jesus is telling them, you know, he's got his guys together and he's telling them about the future that's coming and how he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And, he's gonna, you know, it's kind of a depressing thing if you, if you just look at that statement and you don't really understand what he's setting them up for. But then he goes on right in, the, right in the middle of that and he just continues on and he says, you know, the, the love that my father has for me. That's the love that I'm, that I'm, you know, releasing to you. And I'm telling you all of this so that my joy might be full. Wait a minute, you're telling us that you're going to die. No, I'm telling you that the love that God has for me is now coming to you. And that that love is going to produce great joy in your life. And your joy is going to be full. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that, that regardless of what the future looks like to you if you put your life in the hands of god the end result's going to be joy in hebrews it tells us look unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross keep your eyes on jesus he he's the author the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross what was the joy that was set before him? You. Yeah, you know, he looked through all that suffering, and it's going to be crazy hard, but he looks past that and he sees you. And that joy pulls him through that situation. Today, I want to tell you something that there is a strength that's available to you through the Savior that can give you what you need to demonstrate Satan's defeat in any situation. I'm not going to tell you that life is just going to be cake. I'm going to tell you that there's going to be tribulation, that there's going to be trials, that there's going to be challenges. But I'm also going to remind you that the joy of the Lord really is our strength. Because we know that no matter where we are, our end result is going to be better than our current condition. Because we have a Savior. We have Messiah. We have the Lord. The Lord is on my side. He's going to lead me, and he's going to guide me, and he's going to, he's going to direct my steps. And I'm, not, I'm not going under. I'm going over. Amen? If you understand it, if you get a revelation of it, suddenly you realize, man, now I know what they're talking about. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Huh? You build on that revelation and suddenly you realize, I really do have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ, the Savior. Man, this season that we're in, i got to tell you something. This is an awesome season. Oh, we're looking at a fiscal cliff. <laughs> You're looking at the wrong thing. I have some real challenges in my life, Pastor. The joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You ought to take your eyes off of your stuff long enough to recognize that God sent a Savior on purpose. Because why? Because He knew you needed it. Amen. My God supplies all my needs. 
and we're waiting for him to drop off a package. He did it already. Huh? It's time to, it's time to receive the package and, and realize that that, that that baby that was born you know, in a barn and laid in a manger, that baby's got some power that needs to be released up in here. Come on. We need to be the most joyful people on the face of the planet. Amen? We need to cultivate that joy. I really want to tell you today that it, I don't care what you get for Christmas. I don't care what you don't get. Go for the joy. Come on. Go for the joy. I don't know what you're in pursuit of today, if it's a position or a house or a car or a, or, or a woman or a man. or a, I don't know what you're after. Stop that and go after the joy of the Lord. Man, get after the joy of the Lord and get that joy flowing. And if you get the joy flowing, there's not a force on this earth that can stop you from fulfilling God's very purpose and plan for your life. Amen? We need to be full of joy at all times. You know, it's pretty important. 108 times in the Old Testament and 156 times in the New Testament, it speaks of joy. You ever noticed that your car needs to be filled up? It's got that little gauge, you know. And the farther you drive, the lower it gets. Maybe your joy level needs to be refilled. You know, some environments demand more fuel. Climbing hills. Racing Keith. So, you got to have a little bit higher octane. Maybe, maybe what you're going through just de- demands a fill-up. You know, Wednesday nights, uh, the last couple of Wednesday nights, uh, Pastor Voria has been sharing temple prayer. You know, and how to get into the presence of God. And what's interesting is that a lot of us, don't really want to spend that much time. We're in an environment when you can get, you know, a full meal deal in 37 seconds and keep cruising. You don't even have to turn the car off. And we neglect to remember and to realize that God's not always fast food. You know, uh, church services, well, about an hour and ten minutes, and then people, you know, that's getting pretty long. Well, what if it takes an hour and 15 minutes to get you to the filling station? I don't think that these services are the place where you should come to refuel. I think you should be doing that. Because no matter matter how you look at it, See, the, the, the thing, if, if, if you've missed the last couple of Wednesdays, you want to get some CDs. Uh, but, but no matter how you look at it, one way or the other, what God's trying to do is draw you into a place of intimacy. And can I just share it with you that when I want to be intimate with Shelby, I'm not bringing you with me. Huh? You're welcome. When you want, when you want that deep relationship with God, you're going to have to go after that alone. 
you, you, you got you to gotta want that. But can I tell you what's going to happen when you get there? All the stuff that you're carrying begins to be lifted. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know that word renew? It literally means to exchange. That what you have, you set down. And what God has, you can pick up. You leave his presence differently. You need joy. You ought to go for joy. You need to put joy at the top of the list. What am I going to get for Christmas? What am I going to give? How about some joy? But you can't give stuff you ain't got. I want to tell you three things real quick about joyful people. Okay? Joyful people. I think it ought to be our ambition and our heart that we become the most joyous people on the planet. Well, one dominant thing about people who are joyful. Joyful people understand God loves them. You know, it just doesn't make any difference what you're going through. If you know God loves you, you know you're going through. So now what you're going through can't manipulate your thoughts. It loses its grip on you. Why? Because you know the love of God. Joyful people know they're loved. And I know that there's some people that you feel you ought to be loved by others and you're not receiving the love that you think you're deserving of and that robs you of your joy. But i got to tell you something, that when it comes to the love of God pouring out towards you, the Bible says, behold, the kind of love that the Father has poured out upon you and I, that we could be called the children of a living God. God loves you. I'm not talking about knowing about the love. I'm talking about knowing the love of God. You want to increase your joy level? You've got to increase your understanding how much God loves you. But, Pastor, I've made so many mistakes. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who are not walking after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm telling you that nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth nor width nor any other preacher, creature. Nothing can separate us. You just, you just need to realize that God loves you right where you are. He loves you too much to leave you there, but he's not upset that you're there. He's not, uh, you know, I said it earlier, but he's not out to, to, to get you. He's out to love you. For God so loved the world. Man, God loves you. And if you don't understand the fact that God loves you, you're not going to have joy. Because it's too easy to take it right out of your hand because you don't realize, man, I am the apple. Of his eye. You know, well, there's so many of us, and I think God loves others more. No, you know what's crazy about the love of God is that God's love for you is all yours. That when you don't tap into that love, it, it doesn't go off to somebody else. That's his love, and it's all for you. That every fiber of his being is loving you. And when you walk away from the love of God, it's just sitting there waiting. And it's actually longing for you. We, we sing, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. Don't you understand that God's saying the same thing to you? That God loves you. The second thing about joyful people is joyful people love other people. 
It's not hard to love others when you've got joy. And you're looking at their craziness and their, their, their strangeness and their oddities. But, well, I think the Bible says it this way, that love covers a multitude of sin. <laughs> that word cover, it doesn't mean it hides it. It means it bridges it. It's like a bridge that covers the, 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 the water. It doesn't remove the river. It just takes the river out of the picture. The thing that others have done to you, you're not even eradicating it. You're just taking it out of the picture. Well, they've hurt me. I'm going to love them anyways. Oh, they've disappointed me. I'm going to love them anyways. Look at all the mistakes they've made. I'm going to build a bridge. Well, shouldn't they help? Probably, but if they don't, I'll get her done. You know, there's just a different attitude that we operate in when we're walking in love. You know, I think the hardest people on the planet to do this with, it's kind of easy to do with some guy that you ain't never met. I'm going to love that guy. What's his name? Don't know. <laughs> but how about those people that you live with? In the same old house. At the same old table. Eating the same old dinner. Doing the same old stupid stuff. Well, love will build a bridge there anyways. You know, here it is, the Christmas season, and you're going to give them something. How about you build a bridge? Give them love. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The third thing about joyful people is I think that joyful people are unusually strong. Joyful people just seem to be stronger than people without joy. You know, it makes sense if you really think about it. People who spend time in the gym working out are stronger physically than people who never lift any weight. Joyful people press through the stuff. And they get stronger. They realize that at the end, I'm going to be better than I was at the beginning. They understand that this, that the enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. So, I can be joyful always, at all times, at all times. I can have the joy of the Lord. That joy is not dependent upon my circumstance. That joy is dependent upon my relationship. That the more I recognize and understand the love of God, the more joy I have. And the more joy I have, the more joy I can bring to the table. And the more I bring it to the table, the more the enemy seems to come against it. But the more he comes against it, the stronger I get. And the stronger I get, the more I realize, man, there's a never-ending supply of the joy of the Lord. I think what we need to do is decide that, you know what, we want to change the city. Amen? We want to change the world. But first, we've got to let God change us. 
You know, if God's love hasn't impacted your life, then I think it would be inappropriate to think that the love of God flowing through your life would impact anybody else's. We need to go after the joy that God wants us to carry through this season. When you're making your shopping list and you're out in pursuit of what the perfect gift might be, could we suggest to you today that you you might show up empty-handed, but if you come with a heart filled with joy, you'll be a welcome guest at any party. You'll be well-received and celebrated. All you need to do is bring joy. But to bring joy, you've got to go get it first. Get in the presence of God. Take time out. Press in. And let God fill you to overflowing. Amen? Let's close our book, bow our head, and let me pray.